millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, and welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I am Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dudley boy Michael Hamflit to discuss everything that's in store for us on tonight's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we preview and review Dynamite, Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have wrestler interviews on occasion, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete, not this week, of course, with a bloody good quiz. Right. So I have got all the matches and the interview segments written down in a list so we can do it one by one, as is tradition. Yeah. So uh, Elite and the Elite versus Bullock Club Gold, and you know, Jack Perry retires the FWE title. At the start of my list of topics to cover in caps i've just written rant yeah and i don't know where to start we haven't been together for a couple of weeks and, uh, and like i don't know about you but what with the biggest wrestling show of all time beckoning we've probably missed the key period of that which is two weeks before the show and they actually start putting a card together we've not even had a chance to discuss this on microphone i don't know where to start with this i've got a few things to say <laughs> this might take 10 minutes that's fine that's all right right the first thing i want to say is that if i want to be a hater on my holiday Enjoy my family. Enjoy the Mai Tais that come with the all-inclusive. Looking at that beautiful, like, dusty pink Cretan sunset. And then hop on Twitter for two minutes, get annoyed, and then fire off a take. I want to do that. Yeah. It's part of my DNA. It's part of my soul. I want to do that. I like doing that. I'm going to do that. Good. That's one thing I want to say. I've got a lot of things I would like to say about the state of AEW and the state of discourse, and the state of all in. I think that's what people want to listen to. I think that's okay. If, right, there's a few people on Twitter, because I've been online. That's like, oh, you're on holiday. I can be on, I want to do it. The thing is, so I'm going to well, do it. You've got to, I've seen this said before, right? I, like, as you said, you can make your choice whether you want to be online or not when you're off, when you're not in whatever. I'll do what I want. The reality is as well, like, you might go on 10 seconds. You might have a read, a minute. You might send a tweet. 30 seconds, that's less than two minutes, and then you log back off again. This idea that like you would stare at it for four or five hours, gradually composing, like it's like half of the holiday reading that you were going to do was spent on Twitter. Yeah. It's not true, is it? No. It's a, it's a couple of minutes. Duh, uh, piss off, duh, bang. Check it later, if you want to. Right. We're less of a thing than people make, I think that's all. Yes. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. The second thing I want to say is, after this, <laughs> we at some point are trying to 
cramming time. As you know, August has been horrific scheduling-wise for What Culture Wrestling. Um, we will try and fit in a proper, maybe more balanced, all-in preview at some point. Mm. I'll cover my thoughts over the that I've developed over the past however many weeks, but we will try and do a um, specific, separate, all-in preview. So this isn't, hopefully, the totality of my thoughts on this card. Okay. I, I honestly don't know where to start with how annoyed I am with all of this and with AEW as a whole. Um, all right, this, the other thing I really want to get in is that all in, if the wrestlers turn up and do their job, thankfully, what a roster, yeah, is going to be an exceptional show. It's going to feel special, even if they themselves haven't done a good enough job of telling you or showing you how special it is going to almost invariably be on the night. Is that the one agreed upon take on the show? Well, that's what... Because we've been dissenting voices on the build, and it always comes with a caveat, the show's going to bang. The show's going to bang. The show's going to bang. Do you know... Right, okay, wait two seconds. I had the exact figure, but I always second-guess my math, okay? Five hours. Dynamite 2, Collision 2, Rampage 1. So that's 5x52. There are 260 hours of television produced by All Elite Wrestling per annum, okay? Mm-hmm. Do they not matter, do they? Do I have to on, what is it now, six? Revolution, double or nothing, forbidden door, all out, all in, full gear. Six weekends. What happened to the, like, of people going, show was great, don't know what you were talking about. There's 260 hours that I want to watch slash have to watch. Yeah. They should matter. This is not WWE in the Twilight days of Vince McMahon's decaying brain mm-hmm. where he's assembled a good enough roster mostly because he's defensive about other trends and scenes happening in the US so he has signed maybe out of spite or desperation some world class wrestlers so he wouldn't normally mm-hmm. like you know sneeze in their direction yeah and you had some great Triple H just snuck yeah, those PWG guys through the day. I, I don't yeah. want that from my wrestling. I don't want to watch 5% of resource usage effectively. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I yeah. don't want to waste 260 hours. I don't want to go, oh, I'll be great on the night. Why are you worrying? I have to watch this, slash, want to watch this. Those 260 hours, I understand that not all of them are going to be wonderful. They should matter. They shouldn't be abandoned or retconned, Elite versus Dark Order. Like, what you're watching should link up. It should captivate you. Like, AEW in February 2020 and so much of 2021, loads of it during the pandemic, before full gear 2019, was electrifying, urgent, energetic, must-see, nothing short of seminal wrestling TV at its best. Those days are gone, Mm -hmm. mostly, and I mourn them, and I expect them to be better, and those 260 hours should matter. I hate so much this idea of... Card looks great. So I should should just tune in six times a year then. Hate this, hate this, hate this. And I'm already dreading the afterglow of what I'm telling you now is going to be a great show ruined by those takes on Twitter, which leads me to my next point. Over the past year, I've had this sort of self-imposed philosophy where I'm not going to wade into the discourse. Um, I was sick of it. I often use the comparison that when I grew up reading like certain online um, writers or Power Slam magazine um, or, you know, The Observer, or just things are held in really, really high regard, they never wrote about the industry, about the matches, about the business, business, 
like in reaction to some dickhead in bad faith unleashing some brain dead take that we all have to talk about for the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I really, and I got into the habit of going in my articles and on these podcasts of, oh, well, turns out they can't tell a story. Like I just found it, like I started, like, why am I directing all of my thoughts and insights? Forum arguments got mixed in with the actual shows, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just hated the fact that I had this compulsion to always be cognizant of the discourse when approaching my critiques of wrestling. Like, what does it matter if some dickhead troll who somehow become the lightning rod of conversation for that day? Like, I just felt like you're missing the wood for the trees. You're just trying to score engagement. No guarantee that a podcast listens on X. So wouldn't even be able to yeah. just want to hear what we thought about the show. And exactly. Yeah. And I so I don't want to get caught in that habit. So for the f- last year, I mean, I've probably, you know, fallen off the discourse wagon a few times when I've got particularly irritated. But the discourse now, I feel, needs to be balanced. I feel like there's some good faith takes or, you know, there's enough prevailing opinion about the build to this all-in show and the state of AEW in general where I feel like, no, 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 this is bad. I have to feel like for whatever it's worth whatever it counts towards my opinion i feel like i have to wade back into the discourse because it's becoming this toxic positivity swamp Mm. where standards are lower and it's really reminding me of what wwe conversation was like at the worst of the vince era where we're talking about oh the the card's gonna be great who cares about the storyline you should be positive about this card I hate what's become of the conversation surrounding AEW, the toxic positivity I see, the fact that uh, I'm getting called negative and all the rest of it. It's like, have some goddamn standards. The reason this promotion exists in the first place is because people have standards and they completely dropped off from WWE in such number that something like AEW was considered a viable business proposition in the first place. There is, or there was, a market for a major league arena-sized wrestling outfit in the US that could actually listen to its fan base, create some amazing, amazing, I hate the word, content. It's what it is now. And that's what it is now. feel like content. And it's like, I'm still going to hold it to a higher standard. I think... There's multiple strands of this. We were discussing this before we came in the office this morning. I'll be glad when Wembley's out the way. I don't mean that just across the board. I know that sounds miserable. In terms of the conversation around AEW's business, I'll be glad when Wembley's out the way because I think right now it's this grand distraction piece. Look, 80,000 plus is an enormous success story. A success story for the ages for a challenger brand to suddenly not be the challenger brand. Yeah. For one night, they get to be the market leader because even the market leader's never done this, right? So it's an amazing success story. But... The success story itself is just like it did in 1992 for WWE, obscuring significant domestic business wars. And I think the conversation, and again, this could be bubble stuff, and again, I apologize to anybody that listen that isn't on X and just likes to watch the shows and likes to like and dislike along with us every week. The conversation is way more about what should be on or what shouldn't be on Wembley and what us Brits versus the Americans that are telling us off for complaining, whatever, versus, well, where's AW really at? Like, I want so desperately the even-handed referendum on where AEW has badly fallen off in 2023, and it feels like we can't have that. They've had this Wembley thing to go, well, 80,000 in yeah. their back pocket is a defense mechanism for months now, and I'm, I'm with you. I cannot wait for it to be over, because there's, not, there's nothing We don't like mean that. the show. We don't mean the show. Yeah. We're very excited. We're not trying to, like, just look past this awesome thing, this, like, 
huge festival that's coming together of 80,000 people. What's going to be, what's go- there's going to be magic in the air on Sunday. We're not trying to look past that. But I think from a conversational point of view, if you are interested from an analytical point of view in pro wrestling, and we like to think you are, and we're glad you listen for that sort of thing, and we are, um, that is so crucial to the conversation. We were lucky enough to be at the press conference in Vegas, and we both had a similar takeaway. That is on a video that I believe you can still find on our channel, 10 Things We Learned From Seeing AEW Live, was that there was very similar criticism about the build to Dublin Nothing, and I don't think the card was particularly well executed, with certain exceptions. And then in the press conference... One of Tony Khan's uh, stock answers or coping mechanisms for the more difficult questions, of which there were a few, were, guys, you want to see what's coming, man. Forbidden Door, Fight Forever, Wembley. Like, and it felt like everyone was on message. Like, Made doesn't count. Yeah, don't talk about the rubbish build. Don't ask. We can't Made talk, doesn't count. We are can't moving talk about forward. Punk, but yeah. this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. The cool stuff's to come. The cool stuff's coming. Like, uh, it's the, you know, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? Like, we are here at the fireworks factory, and half the fireworks are duds. Yeah. And like, there's like this can be the most impressive looking excuse ever. It, it's on the it's the biggest ever. We're talking in absolutes. How often is that the case I in know. wrestling? Almost never. We're talking in absolutes, and yet there are far more like sort of detailed conversations to be had when all out doesn't sell out. When Grand Slam is the lowest selling Grand Slam ever. When they might struggle for that big winter is coming main event that has so far been almost like a mini pay per view dynamite in December. Like it's, I'd like I want to have those chats without the oh, Moan and Brits again. Like they can't have nice, standards. They can they, they can nice swivel. Things. They can well, piss off. Do you think right in defence of some of those people that maybe refuse to acknowledge? And it's not all. I'm not this. I'm not trying to make this a civil war like across the Atlantic at all. We've got loads of American listeners, and I've had loads of really good chats with people. Some going to the show, some not. Um, do you think that it's been a failing of AEW? to present Wembley the um, just the size and the scale of this show beyond a little line on the posters that say biggest card of all time in a way that the like American fan base or the non-traveling fan base just don't understand how massive this is because I do like I've because I do I've like I've realized over the past few weeks well why did it stick out that CM Punk was the first one to go? Why are we not talking about friggin' Wembley? First M- dance feels bigger than this. MJF was the one. I'm not just giving you our main event. I'm giving you the main event. I shouldn't only be able to name two things. Jericho did it last week, but I think there's some icky politics attached to the reason he decided to elevate Wembley's status. I can't think of a video package, a individual promo, an angle that has mentioned Wembley in the way that we hate it when WWE do this, but like when wrestlers say, I gotta get on that WrestleMania card, it makes them look lame, but it reminds you that WrestleMania is yeah, the yeah. dance. That's the reason yeah. everybody does this. There's been nowhere near enough for that. And I do wonder what the some of the people that just are emotionally disconnected from this in a way that we're not might have been able to look at this and understand and go, Oh God, yeah, this is as big as it will ever get. As big as it will ever, ever get. Minimum of ten years, probably more. Like, they haven't been told that through the television? No, they haven't. And it's not just the stadium. It's not just the scope and scale of the event. It's, like, what what does it mean to these characters? Yeah. I, it, Hobbs and Thingy Bucket looking past it. I'm up, like, they have to because of the... Well... They have, well, apparently they have to do stuff for All Out. Yeah. Why couldn't they have just shelved All Out? That's one of the biggest problems it's, here. Yeah. It should have been the most fat-free, lean all killer, no filler. Every single character is laser focused on this card and this event. And the mere existence of All Out 
has scuppered a lot of this and they didn't have to do it. They absolutely did not have to do that at all. And they could have just changed the title cute because it is this big ambitious mm-hmm. thing and ambition was the big thread and theme of the original All In. Just a one-off change to that pay-per-view calendar. But it's greed. It's pure greed because they could do it all out and it's content farm greed and it's scuppered and completely thwarted um, this All In build for me. And it's not necessarily just the fact that they've got a secondary show. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to talk about February 2020. Revolution. It just felt like with a smaller cast, with a booker at the peak of his creative powers, everything mattered so much to the characters. There were so few titles to vie for that when Moxley eventually arrived at the world title match with Jericho, it felt all or nothing. Mm. Like that all or nothing drama is just dead. And we've got this lazy, indirect, mazy booking, and it's really starting to piss me off and wind me up. Like, I remember Moxley raging. I didn't really like using Tony Khan that early at the time, but I remember him raging that one of his matches didn't count towards the rankings yeah. because the rankings were the way that he was going to get to the belt. Yeah. And it was like, hang on, I won that. I beat yeah. Kenny, and I can't have that now. Like that, yeah. So we've got now a situation where, well, look at Revolution. So we've got. It actually felt like the elite were going to implode. And it was like, they can't, but they're going to. And it just so happened that they did so in the best tag team match, in my opinion, of all time. The world title match felt massive. The idea of Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara, like, making a pay-per-view, like, on the cusp of, oh, my God, I didn't know these guys before AEW mm-hmm. was formed, and now they're on a pay-per-view. They're showing you Austin Rock fighting for the IC title, knowing that one day it's going to be for the world. MJF and Cody with its Taz and Sabu. Yeah. El- energy of, you have to watch this show... Because it it's the biggest thing we've done. It's been built incredibly in ways that go by my friggin' book. I've <laughs> honestly, like passionately and insightfully talked about how much that just meant, how much that meant. Revolution 2020 and the momentum that company had and the booking prowess that it was displaying and the fact that it just felt like it had everything in the world behind it. Like it couldn't have come soon enough. This Revolution 2020 show felt so much bigger, more important, with so much momentum and spark behind it than All Out. And this thing should theoretically be literally eight times as big. Yeah. Like they did less than 10,000 for that show. Less than 10,000. But it's the, what we're saying here is not. And again, that's why it's kind of frustrating. I don't like to. I'm the same as you. I don't like to just accidentally keep dragging it back to people's opinions I disagree with on Twitter and make it sound like we're just using this to air grievances. But you've seen what the value of big stars and hot stories are, and you've seen it a million times, and it's a tale as old as time. There's no, there's no singular vision in pro wrestling that's proven to be as effective as big stars in compelling stories. Yeah. Like, that's a that's got a hundred percent hit rate with wrestling fans. You probably found they've, it because of they've those. They've lost things. it. They've lost it. I, I I'll be fair. This MJF Adam Cole stuff is one of the most unpredictable, big time, entertaining, yeah. like restorative things they've ever I think done. The pre-show thing is I've seen mixed response. I think it's gutsy. Like it impresses me that they're going to try this is that. something. I was going to say. Can I have a five minute rant alone. Yeah, yeah. For the next go on. bit. Sorry. Go on, the one thing though is they have to have Aussie Open come out first, or the friggin' Hardys, which we'll get to. <laughs> They have to. I think it's of crucial importance that they get jumped before they do the boom. They can't do the boom twice. Okay. It'll be loud, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They should save the boom, jump them before that, and Uh then depending on whether Cole turns heel, in which case people still want... I don't know. There's a lot to talk (laughs) about, but we'll... I don't know. I just want to say a few more things. I hate the headcanon. The headcanon element 
of toxic positivity accounts on Twitter is driving me up the wall. And it's specifically about Kenny Omega. I lost my mind on um, the week before I went to Crete. It was on the Friday when the Observer dropped. And it was like, oh, you know, they're not going to do Omega Takeshita. I was already thinking that singles match that everyone seemed to think was going to be all in was a compromise because mm. in my naive head can I thought punk but in my head I thought it's probably not going to happen love it if it will but it's not going to happen I at the very least want Osprey and I thought it's a New Japan based match it's probably going to get paid off if at all at the Dome um, they alluded to that happening on AEW television on Wembley by the way Osprey said in a pre-tape on the Dynamite After Forbidden Door, I Know A Place, Gov. Oh, yeah. This uh-huh. thing has been completely all over the place, and they should have had this plan months in advance of the top stars should fight the other top stars. Right, but back to the discourse. I'm have five more minutes on this. The idea that the Elite versus Bullet Club Gold is this grand epic story, years in the making, it kind of makes me sick. <laughs> it's, I think you are a deluded, naive baby who is using headcanon to escape the reality of what you've been shown or told or, or told is important on television to make yourself feel better as an AEW fan. How many times has Kenny Omega or Hangman Page, for that matter, talked about how they resent being replaced on, AED, on in New Japan and they're going to pick that back up or something? They've never given a flying frig no. about this in four years until they were randomly attacked in a terrible angle, <laughs> the execution of which was appalling. And it's okay to say one thing like, all right, okay, on the, the elite side of things, they no longer no longer care about the Bullet Club. Um, they've, they felt like they transcended it all the way back in 2017 by actually distinguishing themselves as the elite. Then they did some terrible stuff that was abandoned with a firing squad. Remember them? Oh, yeah. And then after that, it was pretty much... They did this weird thing with Omega and Kenta where they were still like, oh, we're still part of it. It's a brotherhood. Yeah. It was very selective at the time, but it was cool. Kenta's here, so I didn't really pay that much attention to the poor continuity with what the elite thought they were as part of in Bullet Club. You know AEW I mean? dropped breadcrumbs about Kenny and Adam Cole. That's yes. in AEW law. Yeah. That's it, though. Not that, Jay that White. Was and, yeah. That was dropped. And understandably so, I guess, because they both had to be faces upon their respective returns. Yeah. So maybe the elite don't care. Maybe the Bullet Club gold do care that, oh, we're the real Bullet Club. We're the best version of Bullet Club, and we need to defeat the elite to make that known, right? If that was such a big deal to Jay White that he resents the idea that the elite call themselves the elite because the gold is the best version of Bullet Club. Why did he target Ricky Starks straight away? <laughs> Why didn't, upon his AEW debut, the first opportunity he's really had to get at Kenny Omega and the Bullet Club elite to prove that he's better and he's the best in the world or whatever, why didn't he do that straight away? Do you want to know what the answer to that is? Because this match wasn't on the cards until Tony Khan has realized, oh, I have to save some stuff for All Out. I have to save some stuff for my quarterly arena show in Chicago to the detriment of the Wembley Stadium show, that should be absolutely enormous. Yeah. If this match in your head canon makes so much sense because of their history, why didn't Jay White immediately target Kenny Omega um, in, what was it, April that he debuted? It was after Revolution. Yeah. So March, maybe? Uh, yeah. Well, it was Ricky Starks fannying about with... Juice. 
juice Which for a while. For juice. Yeah. I'll say about April. Yeah. So you cared more about Ricky Starks and Kenny Omega. So this trio. Jay White match. was in the international title battle royal at Double or Nothing. Yeah. He's that content with his spot in like the mid card, but Collision made Jay White a guy. Yeah. Not not the AEW Trio. This trio's match and much of the discourse that stemmed around it. The headcanon that people have applied to making it make sense is utter nonsense. The that weird, terrible executed angle that was a sheer scramble to justify not doing Omega Takeshita at All In because you need something for All Out. It's all a complete mess. And the word that sums up to me, AEW in 2023, is compromise. You're compromising by doing your content form and saving matches for the shows that exist to feed the content form. The compromise with Dynamite and Collision has upset me for a while as well. But the idea that there's trios match, and there are certain accounts online, unfollow me and follow them if you want. If you feel dragged down by my negativity surrounding AEW, you know, there's Wrestle, Draw, uh, Wrestle Joy and Drain Bamager. And I'm not saying that the people behind those accounts are in bad faith and they are toxic positivity. Maybe they do have a different disposition to myself and maybe they want to celebrate and look at the positives and the bright side of AEW, which I'm not really wanting to do. I'll do that when it's great and it's not great at the moment. When you can feel it rather than having to think about it. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying that they don't believe what they are saying and they are doing it for a grift, necessarily anyway, but you cannot lie <laughs> and say that this match is years in the making and people have fantasy booked at this trio's match. That is a slapdash thing that if it mattered so much to the characters involved, those characters on the television show, that matters because there are 260 hours of it, should have made that clear. This is a compromise to make another match happen on another show that exists to feed the content form. And I'm going to reiterate this one more time before I move on to my final point. If this had so much history behind it, if this mattered to the characters in the same way that the Elite versus... Um, Page and Omega did, right? With its absolutely supreme two-month build ahead of Revolution 2020. If this trio's match mattered as much as you are pretending in your head that it matters, Jay White would have targeted Kenny Omega to decide instantly who the what the best incarnation of Bullet Club was. And if you take the promotional point of view of, well, you can't do it on the next Dynamite, but you can't. You have to build a match like that. You could at least hint. You yeah. could at least hint that that's their ultimate direction. Christian Cage picking the title up on his first night. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Yeah. Something. The reason why they didn't do that is because they never had this idea. They yeah. never had this idea. And you're lying to yourself. And I just think that it's important, the balance of the discourse, to not delude yourself into thinking this is bigger than it is. Because this is the company that holds itself to unbelievable standards. Or it did. There are certain messages filtering out of that organization on you know media calls and we used to call this the listening company dark order that was terrible that's getting buried right okay we'll hurriedly change the structure of the entire organization <laughs> to stop that from happening again yeah. that is the com- that is the standard this company once held itself to and now everything oh it's great it's great is it hmm. you're telling yourself that and you're trying to tell me that and i don't believe that same drive to be the absolute best of the best exists within that company. I think like 
Organisationally, it is a complete mess. There have been several additions to the production and the creative teams that I think have done nothing. I want to do a big deep dive. We will preview um, Dynamite <laughs> imminently. I think this... It's, it's the Wembley go-home show, and yet it doesn't feel like I preview work. I want to do a big... Like, with an agenda, a minute, a big deep dive into the sheer state of AEW, because I think this company's gone off the rails, realistically. But the other thing that I want to make a mention of, and this is really brought into focus by this all-in slash all-out, or the road to all-out, as I'm calling it, um, <laughs> extravaganza, is Tony Khan's booking needs a major rethink. I've never said this out loud. I've never really believed it. There will be elements of all-out, all-in, the next Dynamite, where I think, oh, you know, maybe... I'm being a bit harsh in the moment. I've used this phrase, and it's kind of like the the opposite of deft dovetailing, where deft dovetailing has now become mazy and indirect. Michael Hamflit, on the spot, why are the Blackpool Combat Club feuding with Death Triangle and Best Friends? Oh, God. I haven't got a clue. Nah. I didn't... Uh, I thought the Death Triangle and Best Friends were fighting coming out of the Ring of Honor show. They've had this three-year on-off rivalry where they've done it and then they've forgotten about it and then they've brought it back. And I haven't watched all of the TV since I've been on holiday. I've tried to get... I have. <laughs> and I'm trying to... Like, Orange Cassidy, Moxley was pissed off that for the second time this year, Hangman Page has forced him into a surrender situation. And then the week after that... If I, and I get a bit of this is headcanon, but the week after that, he came for Orange Cassidy and ostensibly for the international title in that way that we could assume that John Moxley is feeling quite embarrassed and he's going to stubbornly do something about it. And that is how I can tether these two teams together over a singles match that we're not getting at all in because we're getting this six-on-six six instead. That's about all I can join between the two sides. I just I want to know why. I don't want to be told explicitly why. Um, I don't need the exposition. But, like, I need a reason. Yeah. I need, I need a hook as to why John Moxley hates these people enough to do several bloody and violent plunder brawls that are building up to the ultimate bloody and violent stadium stampede plunder brawl. Why does he hate uh, Trent Beretta this much? Why does why Eddie, does he hate Pentagon this much? Why does Eddie Kingston, knowing all that we know about Eddie Kingston, not say, like, John, mate, what has happened to you? If I need to beat some sentence you at Wembley Stadium, I'll do it. Me and you. From like the gutter to the stars, yeah. like there's the match, not there. I got five friends. You got that's not Eddie Kingston. Like no. I got five people I'm loosely associated with right now. I just uh, don't know what they're doing. So have you? I, I don't like. And well, potentially not now. Phoenix is out. So like this press conference yesterday. Um, Tony Khan normally runs this media is, call. Yeah, sorry. Uh, my speculation. No. But else is this is not out there. My speculation as to why the media call happened yesterday on the Tuesday before Dynamite instead of on the Thursday after the last Dynamite, which is when they normally happen, is because he's confirmed that Phoenix isn't going to be on the show because of these uh, travel issues. That's the rumour and innuendo, it's yeah. unfortunate. And he alluded to the fact that there might have to be other card changes that are related to real-life circumstances that he has no control over. Non-wrestling-related things, I think, was his exact phrasing. This doesn't include Cash Wheeler, apparently, but there could be other changes tonight on Dynamite. This is He's doing this now, I think, because 
if Dynamite tries to run like injury angles and then the people are, oh no, now like Ray Phoenix has had his leg broken by John Moxley and he can't work, people are just going to be more pissed off. Yeah. It's going to rather, so I think, I feel like it's had to do this. Get ahead of it. To get the message out there, yeah. yeah. To get the jump on it. I've got no idea why John Moxley hates these people or have they even re- re- uh, referred to the fact that, oh, you know, the Death Triangle and Best Friends have had their wars over the years, but they've banded together to overcome a common enemy. Yeah. That should matter. If the four yeah, years, if the last four years of my life have mattered, that should be a big. We never thought this would happen. Yeah. After all the history they've had, but they hate these guys so much. I don't feel the hatred. I haven't got the explanation. It's a better version of Andre the Giant Battle Royal booking. Yeah. It's a better version of get these guys on the card, and they're going to try and like Stadium Stampede, the best version of that match. It's going to rule. Of course it is, and it's just going to disguise again how little this matters to the characters, really, at their core. Um, Definitely match to build a match. There's something bigger coming for all out off yeah. the back of and this. Yeah, and Cassidy, probably. Yeah. And it's Maisie, indirect, bollocks. Like that, the trios match as well. Like, we spent years fantasy booking uh, the tag team of Juice Robinson and Kanosuke Takeshita. What? <laughs> no, no, we haven't. Like, we haven't. No one's ever no. done that. Don't lie. I, I feel like, you know, the ultimate, when I've been on Twitter... And again, when it's the odd dickhead who says something because they are you know, probably a weird WWE obsessive, yeah. and they say something nasty about AEW to try and make themselves feel good about being a WWE fan, and they have this brainwashed head where they can't accept criticism of their thing, so they decide to be horrible and trollish, and then that becomes the conversation. Yeah. That's not what's happening anymore. What's happening is that there's a, a big gulf in the discourse between AEW and AEW fans about what the acceptable standard is for their ability to make stars, ability to tell stories, and ability to promote. And it's just, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because this is the company that you're meant to hold to the highest standard. And if you think this is the highest standard, then unfollow me. Unfollow me. I don't want to hear about it anymore. You've made me laugh thinking of the contrast because is it like that Simpsons, like, dream thought bubble where it's like Martin Prince with the roses around, like, Nelson. Yeah. He walks angrily. Right now, that's pretty much, and I speak as half of this, that's WWE fans super content with the product, oh, no. relatively happy with a bunch of interesting match permutations, uh, seemingly interesting build to WrestleMania if you want to believe that Cody's finally going to get it done. Like, there's not really a lot to be angry about over here. And as you say, like, AW versus AW for a want of some people who want this to be better and the want of the others to assume that it's still fine. Yeah. I was thinking about Tony Khan's Maisie booking. To, just to that point, again, I, I, we keep saying we're going to get to Dynamite. We will do. Five minutes, hopefully. Yeah. I've got one more thing to say. It's, there's more. The Maisie... Oh, I'm having a Chris Jericho run. Oh, oh great, in, yeah, in, yeah. Incoming, yeah. We'll, yeah, oh, we'll yeah, get yeah. that. I was thinking about Double or Nothing, because we were there. Like, does he pay anything off anymore? Like, no. Statlander won the belt, and that feels paid off because Jade Cargill went away. Adam Cole decimated Chris Jericho, and they had a rematch on Dynamite. Anarchy in the arena was to lead to Blood and Guts, which again, like this scheduling thing that seems to curse Blood and Guts every year. Like, MJF won the belt, and his business was concluded. Like, not a lot. Like, Wardlow, he finally puts Christian, like, you're swanton off a ladder, puts Christian Case in his his place. Luke Soros wins the belt in the first collision, and now Wardlow. Like, nothing, this whole, the whole point of a maze is that you're supposed to, like, escape it. You're supposed to have the satisfaction of completing a maze. Like, there's nothing really on this AW, on the all-in that could necessarily be the end of something. Maybe this thing in Darby Allen match. We're, we're going to get to that on the Dynamite preview, but maybe that'll be the end of something. On this podcast. If we don't get payoffs. Nah. 
We like, which is they, the biggest problem. Like, it's one thing if you like enjoy the Revolution Tag is a perfect example, right? An incredibly satisfying payoff to a two month story that factors into a two year one. Yeah, that's the way. That is the way. You know, MJF beating Sh- uh, Punk in Chicago on Dynamite when Wardlow drops the ring behind his back because you can see what's coming down the line yeah. for MJF. But what an incredible payoff to like this mini version of the story. Yeah. Where's that? I don't Where are the, where's the feeling of oh, I can fold my arms and feel like the the good guys have got the win and I can go to sleep easy? You're getting nothing because there's always nothing. that little trickle down of a rematch. And or this whatever. is a big major problem for me. Like my investment, and I've been trying to pinpoint for like pretty much a year. Like what's happened to my investment in this promotion? That's a major part of it. A major major part of it. Like. It's just impossible to invest now. It's we're not quite at that level of it's twenty nineteen. Vincent Mann's given Paul Heyman a sort of honorary title to deflect criticism and he's gonna push Alistair Black's coming to Raw. <laughs> and um oh, they're gonna do something with uh, Cedric Alexander. It's not quite at that. I'm not even gonna start investing because I know what's gonna happen. But yeah. I'm not that numb and dead yet. Kenosia Takeshta gets the big heel turn at double or nothing. He gets one of the loudest television segments of the year when he's with Callas. Mm. And this feeds into so many other problems. I don't feel anything for Takeshita anymore. Like, not a goddamn thing. And he'll do something awesome at all in in, a, in an amazing sequence with Kenny, and then the workers will do something to resolve the, the naughty, like, mazy and direct booking. And then he's just off the face of the earth a little bit is Takeshita. Yeah. Because what happens is, because you've got All Out and because you've got All In, and it's not just these two shows. This is how Tony Khan books all of the time, subplot obsessed, it's never direct, it's never urgent. Chris Jericho gets involved with the Callus thing, and then the Callus Omega thread is all but dropped. Like, it just doesn't appear on television. You instead get this thing where Takeshita is just standing next to Callus, if he's even with Callus, and he barely is half the time, as Callus with Chris Jericho, they're trying to play this game with each other, which, by the way, why do a who's playing who storyline when you've got the best possible version with Cole and MGF? Yeah. It's, it's, if it's not a gauntlet, it's something else that he's repeating. He has one thing in his head that he gets obsessed with, Tony Khan. So this who's playing who game, you've got the best possible version with Cole and MGF. I don't know who's going to turn. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone's going to turn. That's what's the compelling thing about it. And he's doing this diet wish version with Jericho and Callis of who's going to fool who. Turns out the heel turn... Fools the baby face, and the baby face, and the, ter- the de facto baby face is Chris Jericho, I think. <laughs> That's because the murder mystery in the office. Double agent, double agent, double agent. Yeah. Everyone's pointing guns at everybody else. So, Callis, so Jericho, at the first possible sniff of a career redemption to, you're going to get your title glory years back. All right, screw the, screw the JAS. Yeah. I don't care about them. He treats them like a piece of dog crap on a shoe that he needs to desperately scrape off to make a shoe clean again. And then aligns with Callus. All the while, the Omega Callus thing is completely cooled off and flattened. And then Callus decides, oh, he's never going to join me, so I'm going to turn on him preemptively. <laughs> Why did Callus pursue him in the first place if he didn't think that really he was going to join him? If Jericho is... The de facto babyface against Essex-born Will Ospreay at Wembley Stadium. What? <laughs> is going to be the babyface, or it's going to be a 50-50 reaction. Why make him look like the biggest dick in the world? First of all, he does a good enough version of a job of that himself. <laughs> but he's abandoned all his mates. Yeah. 
to align with Callus, who didn't think he could pursue him, so what were the last four weeks for? What is going on with the booking in this company? It is so unfocused. It's so unbelievably... Like, Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay. That's not even the fucking feud. <laughs> the feud is Chris Jericho versus Don Callis. Kenny Omega versus Kanosuke Takeshita. One, that's not even the feud because they forgot about it. And they'll do yeah. it on the dynamite between all out and all in. That's not even the feud. The feud is... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus. dot com slash acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. It's Don Callis versus Kenny Omega. It's so indirect. It became a meme because the bloke died, right? But personal issues draw money, and that's yeah. dead in AEW. Remember MGF versus Cody. The reason why Revolution 2020 was so big and felt so big was because that was the ultimate culmination of, finally, this man who hates this man, this man wants to get his hands on the man who destroyed his dream of being AEW World Champion in a shocker, in an all-or-nothing shocker, and he finally gets to do it at this pay-per-view after doing all these trials. It's like, yeah. rubbing your hands together, we're going to get this match. The match itself underwhelmed a little bit, but like that didn't matter mm-hmm. because the promotion was the thing. Great point. You pick it that way around rather than the way around we've got it now. Yeah. That's a great point because that build is what you remember, and you kind of wave away the way the match. You're generous to it because you put the, they put the, so much work into ah, it. So much craft. That's the way around you're supposed to have it because ultimately on the night things can work, things can die. It's wrestling. There's a lot of variables, yeah. but if you've already put in the graft, you've got you extend so much more rope. It just my investment is dying in this company. So I'm so thankful yet again for MJF and Cole and. You know, Tony Khan have obviously played his part. He's the booker in crafting this thing because it's so indirect. Like, even when you finally get to the match, Omega versus Takeshita, it sells itself on being a great match graphic realistically at this point because it was never really about Takeshita versus Callus. Uh, Omega versus Callus. Uh, Omega versus Takeshita. It's about Omega versus Callus, and Takeshita's just a great wrestler. Why can't we have a, 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 a the need to keep it simple, stupid at this point? This intricate approach that they once perfected deviate from it now because you've lost that thread. You've lost the plot with how to do this. Maybe you need a refresh in terms of urgency, a bit more direct book and simplicity because... That's why the first few weeks collision felt. Yeah. yeah. Takeshita versus Omega could be this absolutely incredible story of this... Unbel- like the decathlete, the guy who's so good that he has... He perfects 10 sports. He's a machine. I've, I've made the point before. He looks like he's going to break the ring by running the ropes. Yeah. That's how much of an athletic monster he is versus this Kenny Omega 
who is the best sports-oriented storyteller in wrestling, right, who is so good that he's almost better now. He's in that Tanahashi arc where the more mm. broken he is. Until he gets completely ir- irreparably broken, he's almost better now for being a little bit broken because there's more pathos in his work. He's disproven Uncle Don's belief that he's finished. Yeah. That's what's so exciting. I'm not and the finished. idea of him picking his moments to burst back into life and do that V-trigger yeah. where he accelerates and it's, he's going to pick those spots to do it. Like That's such a perfect story of the... And it's such a great sports-oriented story of the athlete who's as good once as he ever was to butcher that line, which no one ever seems to be able to do. <laughs> Even Cody butchered it once upon a time. I'm as good once as I ever was. Yeah. That's the story, and it's callous, and it's Jericho getting involved. And I, I, The first thing we're going to preview on Dynamite tonight <laughs> is the Elite versus Juice Robinson and the Guns. It's a preview match of a match at Wembley that feels a little bit like a preview match. I, I don't know how else. No, no. This feud is a bit fake. I thought like last week's Young Bucks Guns match was this fairly transparent attempt to try and tell you, no, this is definitely a spiraling feud and the Young Bucks want some revenge on the guns for what they did to Kenny. Like they, they, they you know, they're trying They to... rushed through a rushed compromise match in a week. Yeah. Um, it was, I don't know if they were running short on time or whatever it was. It was a noble failure on both the part of the books and the guns I thought last week's main event. But like a couple of things on the show, I don't really, I don't feel like investment has been requested by this booking. So I don't know how I'm supposed to find any, truthfully. Like, and I, this is not at this point, it's not even the dynamite collision culture war because I kind of thought collision stunk as well at the weekend. The, the lack of collision, collision, yeah. The lack of focus is becoming jarring. Because it's one thing to go through a bit of a... Remember the... Um, I hate being told and not shown things. Well, I hate the, it, and this match reeks of it. Remember the full gear revolution gap and how sometimes winter is coming wasn't enough to pull the whole promotion together? Yeah. Like, I'm saying that, and we are four days away from Wembley Stadium, and that's the vibe. Yeah. That's the vibe I'm getting from so many of these matches. Like, everything's a bit scattershot. I get you've, like, you've told me what the issues are one Saturday... Bullet Club Gold say, we're the most elite version of Bullet Club. And then everybody says, did he hear he said elite? So then like three days later, he's supposed to say, well, now they're going to fight. Like that's, that's not going to get me any more hyped for another multi-man to build no. up to another multi-man. No. Like the great wrestlers are going to wrestle great. I just don't believe in the stakes of this feud. I hate being told what they are when I don't feel it and AW haven't shown me it. And this match will be electrifying in the ring if it meets its ceiling. But at the same time, I don't care about it, and it reeks of... I just couldn't believe when I logged on to Twitter on that day, and I think it was Wrestle Purists who sometimes aggregate the Observer stuff because I didn't have time to read the full newsletter of, oh, it's going to be this trios match. I think, what? Kenny Omega, not in a singles match. Oh, my God. It was a good day on X, that was. It was a good day on X, but, oh, my God. Oh, so, you know, oh, if you... Oh, so it has to be Kenny Omega versus uh, in a singles match. I guess Revolution 2020 tag match <laughs> wasn't very good then are you taking the pace the other one was uh, are you taking the pace same people complain about this with the people that were trying to get um elite versus samftr yeah yeah because yes yeah. it's, it's, it's i can buy that dream one. matches i can like, buy yeah. that one you know if you take that argument to its logical extreme you're basically saying all tag teams and trios matches are as good as each other yeah that's not how any of this works <laughs> That's not a taste thing, by the way. Just because we want Punk and Omega, I know a bunch of people actually don't want the two sides to come together. That is a, everybody knows there's tension. 
you then, if these have agreed to work together, you get to weave that into the fiction. That's what that is. Or, if it's complete fiction, as was the case with best friends, Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Hangman Page having a match at yeah. Revolution, tell a great story for two months and make me believe that you've <laughs> intended this direction. So, yeah, you leak over. Yeah. Then Jay White and Omega have the stare down, and everyone's going to be like, mm, you know, they had a match in New Japan four years ago. This is all geared towards this. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Um, is Bushi here tonight, maybe? That's a big problem. If Bushi didn't look completely finished in that match of blood and guts, I might have been a little bit more excited about this. They've never Kota, been a trio, have they, though? No, I don't think so. Kota Ibushi looked finished at blood and guts. I'm, I'm trying to think. If he looked halfway... If he looked like Kota Ibushi, I might have been a bit more generous towards this. But he doesn't, and mm-hmm. I don't think I would anyway, because I've got standards. Um, Aussie Open versus the Hardys. I have got... I'm not going to get the chance to bury Matt Hardy unless he gets on this thing. I was talking in the office about this. <laughs> Matt Hardy, on his podcast or wherever, fantasy booked off, pitched a best of seven series with him in the books. Oh, you've gone off fair uh, characters and storytelling, have you? You, just want, you, just want, you, you? you decided that in-ring action can be a vehicle for storytelling now, have you? Because even though the match was rubbish, you got carried to something better than your standard output by the books two weeks ago. So now it's all about in-ring matches, is it? And you want seven of them, do you? You get to beat the books three times. Because you know deep down that they're the only ones who can make you look halfway like the old Hardy Boys, and even then they struggled, and that's the books. <laughs> so that really wound me up as well. I'm allowed to hate. I enjoy this. I'm in my element. Are the, are the Hardys getting on the zero hour? Maybe. This match is going to stink, by the way. Oh, the match is going to reek, right? But the drama is out the S. I would describe this as having Vincian drama because you are legitimately concerned about the result in the way, in the way it affects everything else. Zero to do with the story. Could you in a billion years be sold any kind of actual dramatic tension between the Hardys and Aussie Open? Absolutely not. The ramifications, both in the world of AW's fiction they and in real life... They might want that Hardy Boys pop in Wembley. ...are enormous. Like, we've been they in They want 80,000 people to go... We were in a stadium we absolutely that. finished. Was it 11 minutes where the Hardy Boys music oh played? Oh, my God. Because they went back at WrestleMania 35. I think that might be my joke origin story. It went back to the kickoff to have a chat about something else while the Hardy Boys music played and played and played, right? This is why I would describe this. This is Vinci and Panic because we're not remotely thinking about like any story, any thread of drama between the Hardys and Aussie Open. We're like, Matt Hardy at the last going to politic his way. I know it's the pre-show, but basically going to politic his way into one of the biggest matches on the whole card because that's what this match is. It's all about MJF and Cole. Is it going to be an angle? Could they win the belts? If they lose, what does that mean? There's loads riding on this match. Yeah, yeah. It's the match that they want people in the building for. That's a strategic reason why it's on the pre-show. Tony Khan doesn't want a half-empty Wembley. He's seen the queues at those manias before. Get him in and Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy are thinking, well, great. Like, we get this, effectively, this stage is ours now. The Hardy Boys pre-show, is it? Like, there's loads riding on this, despite the fact that it's just for the Ring of Honor tag titles. Like, I will feel deep sympathy in my guts for Aussie Open if, at the very last second, they've just been they've just been outmaneuvered. Because that's what this feels like. Like, I will be watching this glued, but for none of the right reasons it's supposed to be glued. And it's going to stink. I think, I think Aussie Open win, but like. I never used to want to watch AEW for world-burning reasons, but I kind of wouldn't mind looking at the world-burning as the Hardys lift the ring of on the tag belts. Oh, God. The match is going to stink. 
just an Aussie Open deserve that shot for me. Like they are a new act who's even the, like the Hardys nostalgia is dead now. Yeah, like they didn't get that big superstar nostalgia reaction that they did in 2022 in that match against the Bucks, and because the because Matt Jackson attempted to set a land speed record <laughs> of bumping and feeding to make the Hardys look halfway mobile, the crowd got into it, and it was well put together because the Young Bucks are geniuses. That's the absolute best they can do, and it was, what, two and three-quarter stars, if that? Like, I want, the one spot I want from this match, because it's become a bit of a Hardy favourite, is that thing, you know, when, like, Jeff Hardy now splays himself, like the X logo in the corner. He goes to that, like, whisper in the wind, and then a heel, or whoever, just, we saw it in the flat yeah, yeah. just pushes him, and then his arms and legs go, I want to see Mark Davis do that to him. Just trucks him in the corner, because yeah. it's funny watching Jeff Hardy's body go in all those different directions. I think Ozzy up and get it done, but, like... For all the wrong reasons. Of all the wrong reasons. They've located some real tension and drama here. So remember when I was talking to you about Revolution 2020? How did I keep talking about it? God came up. Damn it. And how MJF, and you can't do this with every feud. I'm not trying to be an idiot on purpose because I hate it when people do that and people are doing it on X all the time to my absolute fury. Swerve Strickland and AR Fox versus Darby Allen and Nick Wayne. Why are you doing this three days before the show? And I understand that Darby and Swerve have worked extensively, so it's not quite Cody versus MGF. And no. not everything has to be Cody and MGF, but go, save it for a week. Save this for a week, the interactions. I cannot figure this out. I was, I loved that. This match should be excellent, I think. Yeah, it'll be great. Like, the beatdown was so fantastic when they went and, like, brutalised Nick Wayne. That match was sold to me there and then. And then even last week, and I was pretty kind... It got a bit memey, didn't it? A bit party-matchy. Yeah, well... It's always going to be with Sting, but give me the emotion as well. And I think, But I think, right, the emotion of the beatdown, there was the heat, but then, it w- then you feed into Sting in this stadium. That's going to be an emotion, like, of its own. So, like, let Sting have that moment, but he's coming not just to have this big moment, he's coming to right the wrongs. The ultimate good guy is coming to deal with these very, very bad men, right? And then even last week, I was kind of in the match, and I thought, like, Nick Wayne looked the part, controlled the ring for the first time, and Darby let him, and it was like, ah, Nick Wayne really has got something. He's already embedded. This is not going to be, like, this underdog story forever. But even the fact that he came back last week was a little bit like, oh, this is fine then. So maybe he doesn't need Sting and Darby Allen to yeah. like right the wrongs. And now as if to prove that all the more so, they're going to have this match here. They're going to try and do another beatdown. Is this going to be like a double juice last minute heat thing? Because I feel like we were already there. Well, I don't understand why they've brought back Nick Wayne. He looked dead. Yeah. He looked dead. That wrinkly folded amateur practice ring. Like you could actually see the pool of blood because mm-hmm. it was wrinkled and not right. Yeah. He looked, for all intents and purposes, dead. It was monumentally effective. I would have brought Nick Wayne back for a lovely Wembley pop when enough weeks had elapsed when the Mughal Embassy had decided to interfere in the yeah. coffin match and then Nick Wayne could come out, ward off the heels. And they're all massive and he's this one little guy and bravely beating them all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what they should have done. Yeah, And they've I, undermined the one time I really, outside of MJF Cole, felt something for this build. Are they going to put Nick Wayne in a coffin? And is that what they're going to do? They're going to have Nick Wayne. They're going to put him in a coffin tonight, like, and they're going to pop out of a coffin at Wembley, and it's going to be as if he was wheeled to Wembley on a just truck. like your dad sort of thing. Oh my god, yeah, they're going to get Derek. They should have, uh, they should have waited, but you know, restraint isn't a word I associate with this company that wants to Demchair versus um, Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Here's something. 
John Moxley versus Ray Phoenix. It's now our thought, ah, well, you have picked the best wrestler from each side, or you could argue the best wrestler from each side. Bit of a Styles Clash, but I want to see what this looks like. Good uh, Survivor Series showdown stuff, isn't it? Is, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now it's, well, it's... Angle alert Claxon, um, because Phoenix, as has been rumoured all across the internet last uh, overnight, um, has not sorted out his visa issues and is probably not going to make the card. Yeah. Um, it sucks. It does suck, but it'd be a bigger headline if this was a better book show. Yeah. Like, you've basically been told, oh, all your favourite wrestlers are coming. So the idea is, well, if you miss one, it's all right, because all your other favourites are over there. Yeah. And they're all in good storylines. No, but they're all over there. Like, over here. Over here. Yeah, Moxley probably puts him out if the rumours are true. And you've got to do it. Like, you might as well book something. You might as well try and, in, like, inject a bit of drama into it, I suppose. Like, this idea of Kingston over Fe- cradling Phoenix being like, I was willing to just have this be a bit of a turf war, but, John, you have lost it. Like, we cannot be friends anymore because you were continuing to do you things. You make chicken salad me. out of this. Yeah. Like, I, there's something to be said for this angle. Um, did the, We reported on this in the news this morning, and Murray suggested that maybe this just pivots to a five-on-five five rather than having to find... So you need three... God, this is heavy. Three that mystery sucks. partners for BCC and potentially one for the baby faces. Um, probably is easy to go five-on-five, five, but then surely the BCC would have had the three men lined up. Mm-hmm. So it's got to stay six-on-six, six, isn't it? So you now need three heels and a baby face. Ugh. What am I doing? Why am I trying to, like, fan So do you get, like, Vikingo to be the sixth? I, or right. you just tell one of the three surprises you've got lined up? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you've just lost your Wembley payday. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a weird... Six on six was weird from the beginning. I'm not... I think Stadium Stampede was designed for the Pavlovian response in the hope that nobody would think what that actually meant. Stadium Stampede was a pandemic escape in an empty football stadium. This is anarchy in the arena for the second time in yeah. six months. Brad Broken. Brad Broken. It's, again, a, a Triple H style book in this. Yeah. It's doing something bad and... Like mystifying. Remember how much she said? Oh, well, it's a double or nothing staple. This kind of match, we've realised we've created our own temple event with this anarchy in the arena as a double or nothing. Uh, so you weren't you weren't thinking about this. No, back in May you weren't thinking. Nah. I'm gonna have to run them in an arena brawl at Wembley Stadium. Yeah, you were not. This was not on the docket, was it? He's lost it. <laughs> Jack Perry. <laughs> Jack Perry. It's, good, go- it's cathartic. This I'm enjoying. This. Oh, really? I've honestly, like, I. We're not trying to kill anyone's fun. Like, I want to meet as many people this weekend. We've had people coming up. We're not doing a live show, and I wish we were, but we couldn't put it together. Had enough problems scheduling podcasts, let alone scheduling a live show. Yeah. Wha- wacky summer. But anyone. <laughs> wacky summer. Wacky summer. Anyone that we bump into, it's going to be great to meet you. What an occasion. Like, please 80, come and say hello. I'll be in a good do. mood when I'm down there. 80, All 000, going well. Yeah, 80,000 people. Like, such a coming together. Genuinely, like a landmark moment. It will be discussed in the same way that SummerSlam 92 was for anybody that was there at that time. It's going to be one of them. It's going to be fantastic. Too Smiles. much like bloody SummerSlam 1992. <laughs> Two big matches and then a whole lot of nothing. Where's Nails and Virgil, Tony, eh? Like, it's going to be fed like. Smiles on faces. Out the ass, right? However, I just, like... I'd, I'm sorry if, like, we're being miserable and that's ruining your hype. We can only share. We can only share our truth. I just care. Yeah. I'm not... The, yeah, I just care. I don't want to, like care so much about my stupid escapist hobby at 37 years old, but I just do, and I want it to be better than it is, because I know, I expect more from you, Tony. Oh, you're not mad, you're just disappointed. Uh, exactly, yeah. I, and I'm mad as well. <laughs> stupid God this is, what a, what a complete bollocks they've made of this. Um, Sitch, the all-in main event was a trios match, 
back in 2018. So you're wrong. Your opinions are wrong. He's a greedy bastard as well. Like how many how many wrestlers did he have to sign? The, you know this thing. How about, many wrestlers did this dude have to sign to his company? And now there's a, egos you got to appease. There are people who you cannot leave off this card, so you cram them into uh, multi mans. There are people with a head so big that it rivals. J.D. McDonough, <laughs> that has to have a singles match. Oh, the, the God of Sing Judas, Tony. Do they? I'm not going to sing Judas. Same. On Before I get to Jack Perry, right? How damning is it? First of all, he never calls himself the Demo God anymore. Right? Because he doesn't want to shift the needle anymore. Yeah. How damning is it that I can't think of a single person? And yes, everyone's timelines are individually curated to their biases and likes. And yes, 80,000 people are going to sing Judas. And it's going to be a capital M moment. How damning is it that no one that I've spoken to or felt Osprey Jericho's huge? Has anyone said that? No. Of renown? I don't think so. I've not repute. seen very weird compromises being made about the like potential quality of this match. Like the... Like the idea, the, another thing I've seen this like, I, I think it's going to surprise a few people. It shouldn't surprise you. Why, Will Ospreay's in a match? How should that? So I don't even like him. But Chris like, Jericho, with his apparent star power, yeah, is in a match. How is it a surprise if it's good? Like that's you already subconsciously kind of qualifying this as a weird thing. I oh, yeah, I don't like any of that. I, don't, I wouldn't have it on the the singles match thing. Just quickly, um, y'all would complain if uh, there was 10 singles matches. No, we wouldn't, because there'd be 10 singles matches in a battle royal, and that's how everybody would get on the card. Yeah. This, that roster's so bloated, book a 50-man battle royal if it makes you happy, because I want all of them to get a Wembley moment. Yeah, yeah. Give them all a Wembley moment and give me 10 singles matches with actual stories. Yes, I would prefer that. Don't tell me what I wouldn't prefer. It's weird as well, like, I would, you, know, you complain if Jericho wasn't a singles match, or I wouldn't. Well, no, I wouldn't, like, that's a taste it's thing. It's you know, funny, I know it's, he's... A, Twitter lightning rod for trolling and people love to overlook Jericho. Not yeah. a big what's the word? Bugbear. Last year I was like, you just had the Ishii match, lads. Like he's doing great work. I think people lose perspective on Jericho. Mm-hmm. I was big on telling people to keep their perspective on how effective and good Jericho can still be. Uh, that's over for me now. Over for me now after the cool stuff, after so much stuff. Um People, if I knew Jericho was going to be a trios match, I would have said, great, that's what his role is now. Well, there's the man that up until recently was surrounded by four other people. Try telling Chris Jericho that he's going to be on a five-on-five. Five. But Chris, you're in a stable. We're going to put the JS against whoever in a five-on-five. Five. I don't think so, brother. <laughs> like, no, no, it's Wembley. I'm working a singles match, pal. Why are stables then? That's how it, yeah, that's how it goes, isn't it? Like, he was of all the people on this card, if it had been JS versus whoever they're feuding with, that wouldn't be a multi-man you would look at and go... Compromise. Yeah. That's a match you would look at him like, yeah, he's in a stable. He's surrounded by people. And so like infight and stuff yeah. in the match. Uh, Jack Parry's going to retire the FTW title. Is this going to summon some ECW legends? And is this going to have a knock-on effect on All In? The RVD match kicked ass. Um, and I would love it to be the... I did watch that. Really So I wasn't in Crete. Massive over-delivery. Uh, I would love... RVD's it. been doing his yoga. Yeah, okay. I would love it to be the Sandman at Wembley, but I'm not sure how far this ECW thing is going. Have you seen the Sandman? No. Cheap plug oh. for an article that I wrote and was published before I left. Ten um, WWE legends. Yes, some, <laughs> some latitude towards the title there. You won't believe we're still wrestling. Mm. And the Sandman was one of them because, you know, he's, of all the people in ECW, you think, well, not the beer-drinking guy who was out of it half the time, by his own admission. Yeah. He wrestled the Dilf this year. Right. And, oh my God, <laughs> it 
he looked awful. It's not good. Then again, who, who the hell knows? Yeah, that's the thing. Isn't it? Is he a uh, Taz? was fantastic selling the aftermath of the Rob Van Damme match. He was just incandescent with rage. But I know Hook, yeah, got on the train to Nowheresville, didn't he? Just call him uh, train Nowhere to... anywhere. Just call him train to Nowheresville Jones. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, uh... Subway Jones. Because Taz would. Edge 1998 vignette Jones. <laughs> um, is he going to like... This doesn't feel like it's going to Wembley, is the point I was going to make. This feels like it's uh, going to all out. It's going to Chicago. Um, is he going to like try and put the belt in a bag and set fire to it or something like that? And Taz is going to be like, enough. And Taz comes out of the ring and Jack Perry beats down Taz for heavy heat. Like That's what I'd do. If Taz is willing to take a couple of licks to help get his son over, that's the move. Like He's got that belt in the ring and there's one man that can do something about it and he's sat right there. If you're Taz and you know that Hook's on a train, you've got to stop him desecrating that belt, haven't you? Hasn't Tony Schiavone been explaining the legacy of the SCW title, though, on commentary, when Taz <laughs> is literally right there? Like, I hate using that word, but he's literally yeah. right there. I, you got, yeah, you got to beat Taz up. you you've got, yeah, to, you got be- to kill Taz. You've got to beat Taz up. He does. He has you've to got be- to do a bit of heat angle Jones on Taz. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy heat Jones. <laughs> Jungle Jack Jones. Jerry Jarrett Jones. <laughs> Personal issues draw Jones. Back in my day, it was all about Bones Jones. Sure, man. Taker makes an appearance. We don't need Taker on this freaking No, podcast. we don't know it is. It's gone long enough. Undertaker's going to have worked in front of uh, less people and Sting as of Fewer. Sunday. That's nice. I'm never changing that now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just because they wanted to make the most mental collage ever, mm. there are two separate advertised segments. Renee Paquette speaks with MGF. Separately... Renee Packett speaks with Adam Cole, so it's not a together thing. Okay. Um, I'm glad that would indicate to me that they're not going to do another skip. I'm tired of them. It's mm. always, it's uh, it's magic. No, Nothing less than magic when they're in the ring together live. The idea of them doing them skits after the FTR match, I was like, are you still doing these? I think it's, they're trying to do that like two things for two stories, isn't it? Like the wacky tag stuff's for the tag. The in-ring is where you really get the meat yeah. of the, the I, don't I think another, that's why they do I don't, I don't need want another one of these post-produced skits. Last week's not AW. missed for me. Or maybe it is AW now. Yeah, I thought it was rubbish. The Crocodile Hunter stuff was a bit... The only good bit was when Roddy Strong kicked his car. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> We're there for the first time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, damn! And then he boots the car and he's like, I want to see the foot in a cast this yeah, week yeah. or whatever. Like the, um, Kingdom have to, like, cart him off. I... Um, to be honest, at this point, with clearly so many other things to do on this show, two interviews is the way to go. Rene Paquette is really good at um, finding the gravitas, no matter how silly these two want to get. The fact she's going to do it separately implies, at least, that they have been able to... If you're buying into the kayfabe of all of this, you've got to believe that MJF and Adam Cole, somehow, as the elite-tier athletes they are, have been able to focus on the biggest main event in wrestling history and their tag title match. And now it's all about the business end of it. They're going to show you and, t- and tell you in these promos that can't wait for the tag match. Got one eye on Aussie Open and the hardest tonight, but don't think I've taken my eye off the ball. And they have to say that to, they both have to be saying that because at the moment we don't know who's turning. Yeah. So and if, if MJF the, shows a bit of weakness in an interview with Nate Paquette, then it's a bit like, oh, it's, you've just opened the door for Adam Cole. They can't reveal that to each other. I just want to see two red herrings in t- two segments, basically. Yeah. I want both wrestlers to talk in vague terms about what they are planning to do. I just want to... They've set it up magnificently. Like, this omni-mystery is fantastic, in my opinion. 
I just want that to be preserved. At Sky Blue versus Ruby Soho. <laughs> uh, so what's the match? Sheeta Baker Soraya Storm. Yeah, the tournament was blown really because you could tell the four winners, the four losers. Is one of them. Even by an AW tournament standard, yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, there was an opportunity to try and make it, like, Outcast versus Sheeta and cast a bit of drama that way, and he didn't really bother with it. So this is just... These are, like... Truthfully, this is the remnants. Like, Ruby Soho and Sky Blue didn't make it into the match, but Sky Blue is a babyface. This is what? A wooden spoon match? Yeah. Like, tr- yeah, quite honestly. What am I watching this for on the, the go-home? No reason. The most interesting thing in the women's division at the moment, like... Tony Storm's character about oh god is awesome. It's awesome, and she is clearly setting this like they're going to lose their like she's going to lose like possibly to Soraya. Soraya might just like I think that's quite a good spot if she like doesn't pin Sheeta but spies an opportunity to pin Tony Storm and she does the old shrug. Oh well, I'll take my belt. It's my moment, Wembley, and that's the end of the outcasts. Oh, they need because on we go with like Tony Storm is setting herself up quite nicely with this new like character that she's setting up on Collision and like to a lesser extent with the outcasts. But Ruby Soho is a, a bit of an outsider to all of this. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I'm watching this. Are you looking forward to the homage with a deep, rich tradition of women's four-way matches? Oh, WWE? my God. That video package. Gee, uh, I forget what we haven't watched together, but that was so insulting. I haven't I only heard about it. Oh, Because I consumed rich most of my wrestling stuff through Twitter and the reactions to the things. I don't think if I watched this thing, it would change my mind. What a cell phone. A rich history of Paul Bucking. A rich history of institutional misogyny. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like, this is the company that used to be so on the pulse that they would just have Nick Gage come out with, not a video package, because they knew that we knew, that even if you hadn't seen the match, you'd heard the stories. You know the legend. You can get into it. For them to insult my intelligence... <laughs> This is a company that never did that, and then they're doing it every fucking week. The rich history. Uh, you're taking the piss. You're mugging me off. It's like that one when uh, Drew McIntyre was like, uh, people didn't come here to see us talk. They came to see us fight. Like, I'm pretty sure they came to Raw to watch you talk. Yeah. That's what people do on Raw's talk. It's, it's, and it gets echoed. Oh, it's a homage to the all-in match. Do you know what a homage is? Like, a homage, it's derived from the French. <laughs> <laughs> If I want to do a homage, it's because I've sat down and thought, I love that. I want to pay tribute to that. Right. You see a homage of, oh, I love that wrestler and that match means so much to me. I'm going to do it in my attire. Mm. Like, that's a homage. I'm going to do this move because I love that wrestler so much. It's homage. A homage indicates that the person doing the thing loves that thing so much that they just want to use their time to pay tribute to it and love it. Do you think, and I know I've tweeted this, I'm going to say it again. That Tony Khan and who this building that the room used to be, because it's expanded with so many people, like Danielson, like whoever else, Marshall, Dutt, all of them. Yeah. Do you think they've sat down and thought, guys, do you remember the all in four way? <laughs> and everyone else has gone, oh, that spot was great. I love that spot. Oh, remember that near fall? Oh my God, that match was amazing. <gasps> do you know what we should do? We should do another four-way at All In 2 is homage to that seminal transcendent one that they did at the, the original All In. Oh, my God, we should do a homage to it, guys. Because if you think <laughs> about it, all these wonderful memories we're sharing of this match, we should play homage to it and do another. 
piss off. You're so... It drives me insane. Like, honestly, too much. I should be insane about the various horrific geopolitics and wealth distribution and everything else in the world. Mm. I understand that, why I hone in on this rubbish, trivial stuff, is to, like, not think of the important yep. things. And I know how this works. I know my rage is disproportionate. But that pisses me off more than anything in the world. It's a nightmare when people... In world history. They use it against you on Twitter as well, don't they? Like, sort of, a, uh, it's just wrestling. Like, well, so what, then? I have to go back and care uh, about what's outside? Oh, right, like, okay. <laughs> you want me to tweet about that, do you? Yeah. We'll, we'll go into those. Right. I need to talk about uh, Brian Pillman Jr. instead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know what, as well? And I remember this vividly. We... Like, how much did we all love All In? And, by the way, their ability to uh, build a card effectively with a 10-minute YouTube show versus their... 260 hours of television. That's, that's That shouldn't go unmentioned at, at this point in particular. But I remember the rule-proven exception at the time. The match was pretty good in the night. Um, and certainly, like, a huge shot window for... Especially for Britt Baker. And, like, at the time... Um, that Madison Rain spot with Chelsea Green. Like, Make sure you pay tribute to that in this homage, <laughs> in this homage match. Like, do you remember at the time... Thinking, ah, oh, it's a bit cheap that because they've put all this time into working all these angles with all these men's matches, and they've just shoved four women together just to put them on the card. It felt nothing's like, changed. No, that was it. It was a token gesture. It's like this show is literally eight times bigger than that one. Like, and you're four eight, years later, four years and no, five years later, five years later, and eight times the show, and you are exactly where you were. That's an embarrassment. That's a cell phone. Yeah, and they're telling me it's something that it isn't. It's a disgrace, is what it is. It doesn't look like unless. Late now, collision. Collision's going to get taped tonight, isn't it? We'll have to figure that out, like avoiding spoilers. We could wake up tomorrow and this card could be on fire. Like, Statlander even going to defend that? Are they going to set that up in the collision taping tonight and Statlander's going to get a match? Or are we literally having one women's match on the Wembley show? You're forgetting the fundamental tenant of All In and the most important thing about the biggest show ever. It's like you got to save something for All Out. Um, two more things. That's just around the punker in the books in the building tonight. Let's go. Oh, we could wake up. We could go be on fire. Yeah. Uh, FT on the Young Bucks having a face-to-face interview. Um, we have got, we're going to save this. We're going to save something for the all-in preview. We've got an idea of what's going to happen in the match. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just use one thing. I need Nick Jackson with an imaginary steering wheel. <laughs> big angry look on his face <laughs> right in Cash Wheeler's face I need PWG books because the FTR yeah. are the baby faces they're both baby faces but if any team has to be I think it'll be overwhelmingly in favour of FTR I think the people in Wembley will be happy to see the books but you know when like a rejection of a wrestler is basically not we hate you forever now it's more please do something to change we are telling you quite viciously that we hate what you're doing, or we're not interested. We're going to try and manifest you to do something, mm. and we're going to boo you, and that's our way of showing it to you. So I think that's what's going to happen at Wembley. I think the realize FTR are the hotter act. The books are going to have to play heel, and Nick Jackson doing, hearkening back to his obnoxious PWG days, <laughs> the pretend steering wheel. They're not going to really do that in a sit-down interview, but would you say that in this face-to-face, to establish that dynamic and ready the crowd for it, the books are going to have to be dickheads here? Yeah, it's better for the match as well. Oh, why? Yeah, it I really know. is. Like, having a heel and babyface dynamics never made a match worse, has it? Even though it's these two and you can expect... It's one of the only matches on the card that is worthy of the card, I think. So there's not a lot of build left to do because it was... 
it's there. It's again, it's another thing that feels like it might actually pay something off. This is a rubber match. You know, there's things here that make you feel like you're supposed yeah. to be going into a massive show. So I think they'll go 50-50 over the next four years, these two teams. Yeah, maybe. The, That's the way to do it. It just doesn't feel like a lot to do. This is where they should be. I would like that dig because now there's there's actually some spice that we might not have expected. Yeah. You know, I'm picturing Paul Heyman doing Young that. Bucks. Yeah, like next week. F-T-R. <laughs> it's like, I know you don't have to tell a story, but I, I don't uh, I don't. I don't know much about uh, tag team wrestling. Oh no! Wait a minute! I know a lot about tag team <laughs> wrestling. You remember when Paul Heyman was in ECW and he's like leaning against the ropes at one night stand? And he was like, "Oh, you want to shoot cowboy? Like, let one of the books say that tonight. Oh, you want to shoot cowboys? Like, let them get a little bit neely with each other because this match is built. This match is good to go. Um, MJF has possibly cornered the market for effectively taking the piss out of Dax Harwood. But if anybody's entitled to still keep doing it, it's the books. Yes. You know, FTRs across the back of FTRs trunks because of something they started. Like it, you're good to go. I don't think they, I don't think these can miss. Um Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho contract signing. Have you got anything to say about this? Zero. Okay. Um thank you for bearing with us <laughs> um on this podcast. Um this company needs a month off. It needs a month off. What needs to be prioritized? What do you want to actually achieve anymore? Do you want to be the sports company? Do you want to be the post-produced skit company? Do you want to be the make that person happy? Oh, wait a minute. That person won't be happy if that person's happy. Uh, What do you want to achieve? I have no idea anymore, and I want you to show me and not tell me. That is my ultimate takeaway. I do not know what this company wants to do anymore or what Tony Khan thinks is good anymore. And it's all converged at the worst possible moment at a show that, by the way, yes, it's going to be great because the wrestlers are great. Um, Have I been way too negative? Do you agree with anything we've said? Do you disagree? Let this discourse rumble because it's important to have, and that is the thing for me. It's important to be at each other's throats. (laughs) Also important to consider the real things that matter on this planet. Like, Like, you know, donate to charity, care more about that kind of thing. In this corner of the world... None of this matters. It's all trivial. But at the same time, if you want to watch the best version of something to better obscure the horrors of the world, it's important to hold this stuff to account. You want the best possible way to get away from the real horrors, which I understand my wildly disproportionate response to this incredibly great show we're going to receive on Sunday is just that, disproportionate. But if you're going to escape the harrowing reality of the world... At least make it a good escape. Is that too much to ask? This is where we're at. Like, as a wrestling podcast, where we're offering good faith criticism of a wrestling show, having to go so far around the houses with our apologetic qualifiers that we're talking about real-world catastrophe to be able to be justify being like, I don't think AEW is very good at the moment, but let me just explain. The world's on fire, and we know that's the Like, what a a bizarre thing to, like... I wouldn't come on a Raw review and be like, look, guys, I know... There's like global poverty, but I didn't really care much for the opening <laughs> promo. About. Like, I just uh, honestly, these people will have your life <laughs> for saying that Kenny Omega should be in an, in an put him in an important trios match that you build for two months. Put him in an important twelve on twelve match as long as it's important. And yeah. I believe that the characters believe in what they're doing. Subscribe, bear with us. If Sunday's as good as it's going to be, the positivity will arrive. They haven't earned it yet, baby. People that have listened to our like live reviews 
We're riding a million different highs oh, coming out of those shows. Like, listen to our podcast when we're coming out of uh, all God, cheese wheels. Yeah, there'll be like, there'll be pizza, there'll be beers, there'll be live wrestling hype. We're going to come out of there and be like, wrestling's the best in it. Put your arm around me, let's go. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, right. It's bloody all out this Saturday. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Like, yeah. this, is, this is the reality. You've got to have the good and the bad. Like, how do you differentiate between the two? I do not like this idea that you can't be criticised, like, criticising anything. Like, critiquing things is good. It is. It is good. If I want to escape from the horrors of the world, which are much more important, <laughs> it has to be good. I've been Michael Sidgwick. You can follow me <laughs> on eggs at M Sidgwick. You can follow Michael Hamflet uh, at Michael Hamflet. You can follow all of us at What Culture WWE. Please do uh, loads of all-in coverage. In what form we don't know. It's wacky August. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I went Robert Stone there. I've lost my mind. Uh, see you later. See you later, guys. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.